Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What's cracking, everybody? It's the end of week seven weekdays. I know we still got the weekend coming up, but there ain't any games. So this is the end of week seven today. It's crazy, I know. We got a game tomorrow in Vegas that doesn't count for fantasy purposes. So tonight, your week wraps up with 26 of the 30 teams playing. We will preview that at the tail end of today's show. But this is, of course, your big Friday episode of Fantasy NBA Today. Week in review, we'll have the ads, we'll have the drops, we'll have the holds, we'll have the watch list players, we'll have buys, sells, and injury replacements, and get you guys all set, reconfigured for then sitting on your thumbs for a couple of days, which, frankly, I'm okay with there not being a whole lot going on over the weekend, because I'm typically chasing children around all weekend long, so, I mean, this is a blessing for me. We'll wrap up the week tonight with a big old tweet storm on the Twitters. I'll try to do my uh, night in 90 second recap. Doubt that's going to happen on a 26 team card. And uh, then we can just put our hands in our pockets and float on through to Monday. Probably want to start thinking about how you're going to stream next week if you got any roster moves left. But let's get going with the weekend review. First and foremost, everybody, I'm Dan Baspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. You can find me on social at Dan Vespris. I know, so very complicated. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Sports Ethos Twitter, and it'll pop right up there. We've also got our Discord kicking along. I want to make sure everybody finds us over there. Uh, it is in the show description, no matter where you're taking in this episode, live, after the fact, YouTube, pod channels. Click that link. It's a free invite. Come hang out. A lot of people answering each other's questions. It's a lot of fun. And uh, this is one of our most well-trafficked shows every week. So I figured this is a good time to sort of shove you all casually in that direction. Let's throw some names up on the board. What do we got? Yes, it is the Weekend Review thread. I like to give everybody this little preview page that says, we will cover the stories of the past seven days. Although really, you know, past four or five usually takes care of it. With a stronger eye on season-long decisions. This is not a show to help you out with your streaming moves for tonight. This is to get your teams going rest of year. Let's start with the ads. Some repeat names on the ads board. We'll start with those, actually, and then we'll work our way back through uh, some of the new ones. The repeat ads are Killian Hayes, who I guess you could just call a hold. A repeat ad is, I guess, just a hold. But I also felt like maybe some people didn't do it last time. So that's why I threw it in there. Hayes is the is very much the maybe in this pile because we don't know how this is going to go, but you want to add to find out how it's going to go because he's looked pretty good in the starting lineup. His role is fluctuating. Everything with the Pistons is fluctuating because they've lost 900 games in a row. Did you guys know the Pistons have lost 44 of their last 48 basketball games dating back to last season? That's a tough road to hoe. And the Pistons are hoeing roads right now. But anyway, while he's starting, while he's logging decent minutes, you kind of want to have him on your team. I'm probably not starting him in a roto format right now because you just don't really know what the individual day is going to look like for Hayes right now. What is the actual effort going to be? What are the numbers going to look like? Head to head, he makes a lot of sense. And Jalen Duren is out. Not that that changes much for Hayes, but... 
it just like anybody that's out on a team creates a tiny bit more opportunity for everyone else, even if it's microscopic for the guard on a team missing a center. And by the way, we don't know who's filling in for Duran yet. Detroit hasn't even announced, like, are they going to go Isaiah Stewart sliding up to the five? Is it going to be Wiseman or Bagley? Bagley hasn't even played in a week. Anyway, keep Killian A's going, see what happens here. His teammate Boyan Bogdanovich has been on our board for three weeks in a row now. He was a stash two weeks ago. He was a stash last week. He is active now, and he is crushing it so far. He's been slotted in, and they were just like, please, Boyan, do anything at all. And in his two games, he's a first-round value. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is not going to hold long-term, but who cares? Uh, if you thought he had a lot of usage in previous years... You haven't seen him while the Pistons are terrible. Actually, you did. They were terrible last season. But they were kind of in tank mode, and he was sort of cruising. Now they're asking him to try to save them. It's a lot of responsibility, Boyan. Anyway, he'll be a top 100 guy. That's kind of the safe floor for a good percentages scorer. Um, I don't know that this needs a ton more explaining. He very obviously belongs on fantasy rosters, but maybe you guys ignored me last time, so here we go again. Uh, Trey Murphy, I am already getting questions about whether or not folks should drop Trey Murphy, which is like, what are we even doing here? Not everybody can come out of the shoot and play as well as Boyan does in his first two ball games, but Trey Murphy has come out and played almost as well in his first couple of ball games. 17 points, three and a half, three pointers. I'm not sure what everybody's so upset about on the Trey Murphy front. He's also just sort of bumbling his way into blocks. And I know yesterday's game was not super fun because uh, the Pels lost to the Lakers by 45 points. Uh, but Murphy actually still had 14 points, two threes, three boards, and an assist, and 13 shots. He's getting time. He's getting usage. That's really all you can ask for because his fantasy profile, we know. The question with him wasn't whether or not his fantasy game translates. The question was whether or not he's going to have enough of a role on this Pelicans team when McCollum, Zion... Ingram, JV, all these guys are upright and doing stuff. And so far, the answer has been yes. So he very much belongs on rosters. And anybody that's coming at me on Twitter with like, ah, oh, I'm getting tired of this already. What are we really doing here, friends? It's been a couple of days. And then for the third week in a row, I also have Malik Monk on this list, who... You know, we've seen his minutes trending up pretty hard lately. I know on the season he's still ranked outside the top 110, but lately it's been much better. His minutes have trended up. That was the big issue for Monk. Uh, we talked about it basically every game he played. He was on our watch list for the whole first part of the season. He was an ad when De'Aaron Fox went down because his minutes went up to close to 30. And lately they've been inching up again, more like 27-28, which is a lot better than the 22-24 to that he was getting at the beginning of the year. And that's the difference between, you know, 140 range and inside the top 100. He's running hot right now. So don't get too obsessed with the Malik Monk experience. He's top 60 over the last two weeks, but he's also shooting 51% from the field. And he's made every free throw he's taken the last two weeks. That's not going to hold. We know that. But that's okay because 29 minutes a game is more than enough for him. The only question I have on Monk is. Will the minutes hold at 29 if the field goal percent tapers, which it will? Is he still going to get enough playing time to, uh, like, is are they tied together, the field goal percent creating the playing time 
Or is the playing time going to be there independently? Your two new ads for this week are Kelly Oubre Jr. Actually, he was on last week also. He was a repeat, but people are not buying on this one. And then Obi Toppin. Let's start with Oubre, who came back and he was like kind of meh in his first game uh, since returning. He, you know, he played only 19 and a half minutes. It's going to ramp up. Dude was involved in a serious incident. We still don't really know the details of it, but he's going to ramp up. And when he does, we should be there to see how it looks. He was getting a reasonable number of minutes after the hardened trade. Remember, there were a few games in there before this, What again, whatever this injury situation was. Uh, before, before that, he was still playing in the mid to high 20s. And when he gets out there, he's not bashful. And it's not like the... Uh, the guys that the Sixers brought in are chuckers. You know, Nick Batum, Rob Covington. These guys are not going to go out there and fire shots up at will. They're going to be ball movers, defenders. So I don't see that Ubre's role is going to change that much. Maybe you see a slight downtick in minutes from pre-trade Ubre. Uh, but in my opinion, there aren't that many guys floating around right now where you can be like, hey, if this thing clicks. This guy's a 6th, 7th rounder, and Oubre is one of those guys. So you might as well just see how it goes, because now he's on his feet again, and we'll get to see the ramp up. And then Obi Toppin's a weird one, because you know we talked about him a bunch over the last two weeks on the podcast. He's number 64 over those last two weeks. 16 points, 3 boards, 2 assists, 1.5 blocks, eh, 1.3, rounding up. Shooting a ridiculous 64% from the field. But again, Tyrese Halliburton gets him a whole lot of dunks. And then if the three-pointers are dropping, then you get this sort of double whammy thing. The minutes is the big question mark with Toppin. We have no idea how many minutes he's going to get on a night-to-night basis. The good thing is, his field goal percent right now, and the sort of blocks-threes combination that he's put up recently, has been able to balance against the fluctuating minutes. I don't think this dude shoots 70% for the year, but there was a reason that a lot of us analysts were taking him with our last round pick in drafts, and it was, he's going to start, he was going to be the starting power forward for this Indiana team. What we didn't know was whether or not he was going to have an actual role with it. At the beginning of the year, it didn't really look like it. He was getting yanked around, his minutes were in the low 20s, So even if he was shooting well, it wasn't translating. Then he started to shoot better. The minutes were trending up. Jalen Smith got hurt. That's helped him as well. Is he just an injury replacement right now? That's actually also a possibility. But I feel like he's being undersold at the moment, and he does belong on rosters for now. That could very well change. Reminder, in between pages, like, subscribe, Follow on Twitter. Let's do the holds next. Gordon Hayward is a hold. I don't think we need to go into too much detail on that. He's been better since LaMelo went down, which is sort of a big womp womp for Charlotte. Uh, But for Hayward, his season has been a tale of three adventures. He got off to a very hot start, then turned intensely cold, and now he's shooting the ball better again. Much like Malik Monk, much like Obi Toppin, we don't really know if his playing time if his usage is tied into a hot run it might be but that's okay because by the time we wait and find out you'll have missed the heater 
And if it turns out that he's just going to do more stuff even when he's not running hot, then you miss the chance to add him for that. Same story for Toppin, same story for Monk. So there's sort of no point in waiting too long in situations like this one. So with Hayward, who he's been a hold for a while now, just because we kind of wanted to see what his role was going to be when Miles Bridges showed up. We wanted to see what his role was going to be as Rozier came back. It didn't look good, by the way, in the short term, but then Lamella went down, and now it looks like his role is bigger again. Pretty obvious hold right now. Spencer Dinwiddie is a hold. Uh, this one I continue to admit that I am worried on. Uh, he's not a guy that I was targeting really at any point this year, but he did have a very hot run when uh, both Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons were out. Cam Thomas is back. Dinwiddie's continued to take a crap ton of shots, though, which that's a reason for me to not be as worried, like the fact that he's still hyper-involved in everything. I just don't like his fantasy game. He's much more of a points league guy, low field goal percent, medium turnovers, you know, like Mac free throw number, doesn't get steals or blocks, mostly gets points and assists. And so, you know, if you're a two category, two trick pony, effectively, that makes you a much more valuable player in a head to head format where you could punt a couple things or points league where the system sort of punts three things for you. Does Dinwiddie get back inside the top 100? I'm inching, I'm leaning towards no, but I think we should hold in case I'm wrong. Because again, there aren't many more interesting guys out there to add instead of him. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I put Buddy Heald on here, and I don't really know why. I, people keep asking me what to do every time he has a slightly quieter ball game. He's a hold. As a starter on this team, he's a hold. His field goal percent is going to go up and down, so week to week you're going to see these pretty wild fluctuations. But his minutes are pretty safely in the mid to high 20s now, and that's, a, that's inside the top 100 when you stretch it all the way to the end. And if he somehow manages to push his way into the 30s in minutes, we saw last year that got him inside the top 60 when he was running at that type of pace. I don't think he's going to be a top 60 guy rest of season, but I do think he's going to be top 100 as long as he's a starting member of the Indiana Pacers. Onyeka Okongwu, and this is a tougher one. I know lately he has not been good, uh, and that has pushed his season mark down to 130. And a lot of that's because he's not really getting any defensive stats. He's playing 23 minutes of ball game, which should generally be enough for him. He's just like, not as involved on defense this year, and I couldn't possibly tell you why. 
Hawks are doing slightly different stuff. I do think that at some point this deal balances out, and at some point Capella's going to get hurt, and then Okongwu's going to go nuts. So you kind of want to hang on there, and I get it. It's tougher. You're probably not starting him in roto formats right now against your games cap, especially while he's been kind of running cold. But they're just like, again, this is this whole, is there anybody out there that could step into massive, massive value and is already sort of fringe value anyway? Most of the guys that step into the giant value, like take Orlando Robinson, for instance, he was zero until Bam Adebayo went down and Haywood Highsmith went down. And now he's a monster. That's not a guy you keep on your bench because you need multiple things to happen. And he wasn't doing anything before that. Al Horford is actually an interesting, interesting example of this. He's a guy who was not that dissimilar, actually, from this Okongwu situation. A little bit farther down the board when Porzingis is healthy, who apparently, by the way, he's back. But then went down, and Horford jumped into this giant center role and went from, you know, 150, 160 range to top 30. Is that a reason to hang on to him all the time? Probably not, because most of the time he wasn't good enough to justify holding on to. Anyway, I think Okongwu is good enough to justify holding. You know, head-to-head leagues, he's doing sort of just enough to be somewhat useful. And then Roto, you just keep him on your bench. Treat him like an injury replacement if you want. And then when he gets hot again, you drop him back in, even if Capella's up there. Alex Caruso's a hold. Also, again, I don't know that this one requires a ton of explaining. He's number 78 on the year. Basically, anytime he's been healthy this season, he's been playable. So, go for it. The Wizards, I had them on the holds board last time. It's a much easier sell right now because, uh, you know, they're coming off of better ball games. Like, they were competitive against the 76ers their last time out. And so all these guys, it's like, oh, yeah, they're fine. Cole Anthony is an obvious hold. We, no explanation needed. He's been running very hot, and Jalen Suggs is out for, uh, sounds like, less time than it looked like. He was listed as questionable for tonight, and then he just got ruled out uh, about a half an hour ago which makes me think he'll probably miss a couple of ball games, but I thought he was going to miss a few weeks, and maybe it's not quite that bad. We can open pray. Derek Lively is an obvious hold. I'm not even going to explain this one, because if you're thinking about dropping him, you're out of your damn mind. And then Malik Beasley, basically the same thing. He, he had one bad ball game, and someone was like, hey, is this going to chill? Until he really falls apart, which I still think could happen at some point, because he's shooting 48% from the field, that's way the hell out over his skis on that one. But he's been really involved in what the Bucks have done over the last two to three weeks in particular. His sort of non-shooting role has increased. So I'm going to need like one to two weeks of really bad play for me to move off of this thing. It seems like he's fine for now, so keep him as a hold. Once again, as we flip pages, please like, rate, and subscribe. Here are the scared, nervous, or drop-level players. Karis LeVert, I left on there. He's hurt now, so he's an obvious drop. Jaden Ivey is one that I think is in the nervous-slash-drop. He's like kind of in between the two. He had a pretty good ball game last time around. We're trying to make sense of what Monty Williams is saying. He's talking about shortening up his rotations. Ivey had big minutes for like a week. And then he went back to the bench, and his minutes have been zero, and then some. It's really hard to know what the hell he's going to do on a game-to-game -game basis. And so I don't think he needs to be rostered right now, because in Roto, there's zero chance you're playing him. And even if someone was like, oh, Jaden Ivey's going to play starters minutes, 
We saw what that was last year when all of the other usage guys were gone, and it still wasn't good enough, if that makes any sense. That is to say, like, he was playing starters minutes and he was outside the top 200 because he has these gaping holes in his fantasy game. Sure, he gets steals, that's fun, and some assists, and that's okay, but his free throw percent is not good. Field goal percent is better this year, but do we know that that sticks? No, there's no guarantee. His turnovers are high. He's got all the young player issues and no guarantee of actual minutes. And so that's why I don't think you really need to hang on to him. I think you could make a move if it looks like something's shifting there, but I don't know that you need to get out in front of it because the upside isn't all that high anyway, at least not in 9-cat. Bobby Portis, uh, he's a drop. And now he's yelling at his team and his coach, and they're, I don't know what the hell that story was yesterday from Chris Haynes about him uh, emphatic or imploring his team to do more or play harder or whatever's going on. Bobby Porter seems like a crazy person, and he has for some number of years now. Uh, and also his fantasy value is tied up in points and rebounds, and there are days where he doesn't get those. He's just, it, no. Keontae George, I left in this page. He, I had him here last week, and it's the same, basically. Uh, I like the outlines of his fantasy game. That's fine. But the uh, it hasn't been colored in yet, if that makes any sense. Probably doesn't. I'm trying to use like a you know play-by-play color commentator type analogy here. Where you can see the assists from Keontae. You can see sometimes he's willing to go take some shots. But he's outside the top 200 because he can't shoot. His free throws aren't good. His turnovers are very high. And there just isn't enough stuff besides assists. You can't do, even if it's, like, I get it. Assists are hard to find. And so we're all in this constant, like, ooh, was that one? Kind of thing. Uh, But that's not enough. Again, like, you need to be punting everything. You can't punt everything. Head-to-head, I understand why there might be a desire to try to sort of active stash him Roto, I also kind of get why you almost could treat him like an injury-type player. But there's, again, there's no guarantee that he's putting up numbers this season. And your best guess is February, March, some of the efficiency stuff starts to decrease in intensity. But even that, that's, that's not a guarantee either. I don't know. I'm, you guys know me. You've listened to the show for a long time if you've been with us for a while. If you're relatively new, introducing you to the Dan Bespris method of fantasy, I don't really like squatting on players for very long. I need those roster spots to do other active things with. So that's why I feel like we can probably just let Keontae George go. And if somebody's playing him right now, he's ruining their fantasy weeks. He's doing way more damage than good. Keeper leagues, I get it. I'm not talking about keeper. I'm not talking about dynasty. I'm talking about redraft right now. Grizzlies, non-stars, I think are all basically safe drops at this point. Ja is getting close. I think he's four or five games away now, if I'm remembering how many games the Grizzlies have played. Marcus Smart will probably be back in the next one and a half weeks or so. Uh, So the Grizzlies are about to get healthier. And then whatever fringy players they have cooking these days, Santi Aldama had a good game a couple times, and then John Conchar had a decent one. Sometimes Biombo's okay, and sometimes Xavier Tillman is okay. None of these guys are going to matter in like a week. So why are we fighting it? Just let it go. Let it go. The cold never bothered them anyway. Andrew Wiggins, who came back from smushing his finger in a car door and stunk again. 
I he's a tough one because at any sign of you know shaking off this Valium fog or whatever the hell he's under these days, then he becomes an ad. But we're talking two good games out of about 20 so far this year. That's simply not a good enough ratio. The problem, of course, is every time he has a good game, you're like, ooh, is the next one going to also be good? Is this the start of a turnaround? And so far, neither of them has been. So, this is another guy who's ruining fantasy teams. Roto, I think I would think more about squatting on him. Because you know it's in there someplace? Something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. And then head-to-head, you just, like, you can't have him right now. He's crushing teams. He's been so bad in almost every single category. It's wild. The watch list. These are kind of fun names, actually. Scoot Henderson is a watch list guy. Blazers are dealing with myriad injuries these days. Malcolm Brogdon out as soon as Simons came back. Jeremy Grant has a concussion. DeAndre Ayton is dealing with a sore knee. We'll see if he comes back. At some point here in the next two months, Scoot's probably going to be kind of interesting. So, constant watch list. I know there's a constant gardener. I'm a I'm, Scoot's a con- constant watch list. Patrick Williams is on my watch list. I don't think you need to stash him yet because it feels like he's still one player away from being useful. And DeMar and Caruso are both in right now. Caleb Martin is a watch list for me. He looked pretty good in that last ball game, but again, a lot of guys are out for the Heat. And so even if he does put it together for a couple of days here, I don't know that I'm going to trust it anyway. You probably could. You probably could. If you wanted to stream Caleb Martin, I don't think it'd be the worst idea in the world, but I watch listing him. Omer Yurtseven is on my watch list. I don't think this is going to pan out, but it's just there. This is like filler. Derek Jones Jr., who may qualify as an injury replacement guy, which is weird because he's starting most games, but he hasn't been able to do enough unless people have been missing. And right now, Grant Williams, we missed their last ball game. I don't know if we have an injury update on the Mavs yet this morning. It might have happened while I've been on air here. Uh, but Grant Williams is out. Josh Green's been out. It's better for Derek Jones Jr. when either Kyrie or Luka's missing because then, you know, 15 to 25 shots get dropped back into the player pool. But he's, he's close-ish when other wings are out. The missing stars is what kind of puts him up and over. Norman Powell, man, and Josh Hart. I, these guys, I'll put them in the same bucket. I just can't quit these dudes. Every time I think that they're, they've completely, they're droppable, then they come back and they have a better ball game. I mean, Norm had a better last one. Josh Hart's had a few good ones in a row. On top of a very good tweet. If you missed it, go follow Josh Hart. He's funny. Uh, and I don't know what to do with them. I know I'm the fantasy analyst. I'm supposed to tell you what to do, but I don't know what to do with these guys. So... The answer there is watch list. When in doubt, just watch them. The Blazers, I highlighted Matisse Thibel on the, the graphic, uh, but it's like all of them because, again, while all these guys are out, someone may step into something. We know Shaden Sharp's going to play about 45 minutes a game while everybody's hurt, and he's in a prime sell-high spot, and you'll see that when we get to the sell-high page. But if Thibel somehow picks up 30 minutes, he'd be interesting. You know, Jabari Walker, if he picks up 30, Tamani Kamara. There's a bunch of guys on that club that could be sort of interesting if someone was like, Dan, I can promise you they're playing 30 minutes tonight. But I don't think there's any guarantee of that. And so that's why we're going to tread cautiously. And I threw Moses Moody on the watch list because Steve Kerr came out after the last ball game was like, look, these lineups aren't working. 
Does that mean Andrew Wiggins is getting benched? He probably should. They're ramming a square peg into a circle hole right now. A round hole, I guess, is the appropriate expression. Maybe it's time for Moody to get some more playing time. He's been outplaying both Clay Thompson and Wiggins so far this year, but at least Clay can space the floor. That's good for Steph. Wiggins is literally doing nothing. Injury replacement board. This is always a fun one. Hey, go subscribe and drop a five-star review while I queue up the injury replacement board. I know, I'm doing it a lot today. Sorry, everybody. I'm being a pain in your butts. Uh, these are all the names that are maybes. Um, don't necessarily just start them because I'm saying their name here in on Friday morning. Uh, make sure to pay attention to Ethos Fantasy BK, that Twitter feed for NBA News. You'll find out if any of these guys are coming back because that could be a thing. The safest names on this injury replacement board are Duncan Robinson, as long as Tyler Hero is out. Orlando Robinson, as long as Bam and Highsmith are out. Kobe White, with Levine out for a month now. Sadiq Bey, with Jalen Johnson out for a while. He's been very safe. Eric Gordon's going to be pretty safe because KD and Beal are probably out for this ballgame, although it sounds like Bradley Beal's trying to come back early next week. Uh, Grayson Allen is also, I think, out for the Suns. If Mark Williams misses another game, uh, Nick Richards was a wonderful fill-in in their last one. And then the slightly less safe ones would be Kyle Lowry for the Heat, also the Tyler Hero situation, Brandon Miller for Charlotte with LaMelo out, and then the least safe one is Simona Fontecchio, who's been decidedly meh with Lowry marking it out, uh, but probably makes sense as more of a head-to-head -head style stream. But there are some really interesting names in that list, like... Both Robinsons on the Heat have put up really nice numbers lately. Uh, Kobe White's been rolling. Bay had a couple really good ball games. Nick Richards, an easy sort of one-to-one -one replacement. Uh, so you got a lot of really good injury replacements going right now. And frankly, this may be the most interesting page on today's show. And for some reason, I left this one uh, highlighted. I, I don't know what I've done, but you're just going to have to deal with it, those that are watching. Buy low and sell high. Oh, there we go. I fixed it. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is a buy low. I, I still feel pretty confident that his free throw percent is going to slowly trickle upward. It already has begun to do so. He was in the late 60s. He had one good free throw shooting game, and now he's at 61. Every good free throw shooting game he has, he's going to move up like five, six, seven slots. Until he gets to 85, 86... And then he'll be inside probably the top 45. That's it. That's the buy low. And with Levine out for a while, DeMar's shots are going to be plentiful. The assists will be fine. You'll probably see the scoring tick up as the possibly both percentages improve for him. Uh, and it makes him a very quiet but useful buy low candidate. People are like, oh, I think he's washed now. Eh, not really. He basically looks the same. Free throw percent doesn't just disappear as you get old. That makes no sense. Keegan Murray. Buy low on Keegan Murray. He can't get his back right, but at some point he will, and he's going to shoot better than 39%, and you're going to want to be there when it happens. Walker Kessler. We've all forgotten how good he is when he plays 28 minutes or more, and he's going to be better as the Jazz get healthy because the games will be more competitive. He can do his sole job as opposed to being asked to do anything else. And you can probably get him on the cheap now because he's come back and they've brought him off the bench for a week and a half and everybody's like, oh, this is annoying. I don't want to wait on this. 
And I don't know how Cam Johnson is still buy lowable, but people really don't appreciate Cam Johnson's fantasy game, which is silly. He's number 81 on the season right now after the slow start. Remember, they were kind of working him back from uh, injury and blah, blah, blah. Uh, over the last, I think, three weeks now, he's been more like, what, 60 range? Something like that. And that's without steals. Cam Johnson's just going to float his way into the 50 to 70 range, and you can probably get him for someone near 80 right now. Your sell highs continues to be Kyle Kuzma because nobody wants to listen to me on that one, but he's just going to slowly work his way down the board as the percentages end up where we always know they'll be. He's shooting 89% at the free throw line over the last three weeks. That's not sustainable. Just not. Believe me, don't believe me. Uh, from earlier this week, we had Donovan Mitchell on the sell high board, not because I think he's going to fall off too hard. I just think he's going to fall off a little bit. The steals at two per game, probably not a sustainable number. The free throw percent was up around 90 for a while. He's at 88 right now. As those things come back to earth, he'll fall from rank, what was he, six earlier this week. He's eight now after one slightly less amazing ball game, and even that's like hair splitting. He probably falls into like the 12 to 17 range, but it does feel like right now you could flip him for someone that you think is headed up into the top 10, like maybe a Steph Curry. Possibly. I don't know who else. I'm not even sure who else fits that marker. It might just be Steph. That might be the target. Otherwise, I don't know that there's anything to do here. CJ McCollum, you already saw the... The first sign of it. Uh, still got two steals yesterday, but there's just no way he was going to keep up the pace he was on. McCollum was a second rounder. Uh, I think he's still, he was early second. Now he's late second after one bad game. Again, he, he's only played 10 games because of the pneumothorax. Uh, 2.6 defensive stats. There's just no way that holds. He might beat his ADP, though. I think he was getting drafted in like the 80s. He might beat that, but 20s, nah. I think you could probably get someone in the 40s or 50s back for him, and that's probably still worth it. Bogdan Bogdanovich, I had on my sell high board earlier this week because I think he probably ends up hurting his knee at some point, but I, Trey Young is ill. He might miss this ball game. Uh, so then Bogdan actually just be a good time to hold on to him for one more day. And Shaden Sharp, who's going to be a great sell high because he has all these efficiency issues on the season, 42% high volume from the field, three turnovers, 37 minutes a game. But guess what? With Grant out and probably Brogdon out, and we maybe maybe Aiden out, Sharp played 42 minutes in their last ball game, and he's just going to take a crap ton of shots, and he's going to get points and boards and assists and steals and threes, and his free throw number's fine. And with usage and opportunity like that, it doesn't really matter if the field goal percent and turnovers are crummy. His usage will be high enough to counterweight that. So enjoy it for a game or two. And then someone's going to be like, damn, this dude's scoring like 26 points a game with eight boards and five assists and two steals. Sell at that point. So let him do it like tonight. He'll probably have a giant ball game. Who the hell are the Blazers playing tonight? Doesn't matter. We'll figure it out in a minute. Uh, Dallas, I don't know. Maybe he'll have a big ball game. How do, why do you play 42 minutes and not have a giant ball game? He's going to do something. Wait for him to do a, something big tonight and then try to sell him off before guys come back and his usage, I don't say plummets, but certainly takes a hit. And that, I believe, is the end of our board. Yep, that was it. You guys can watch me close Microsoft Word live on air.
amazing podcasting with Dan Vespers today. Uh, let's take a look at what's going on tonight. Very large, very large Friday card. We'll try to move through this at some kind of reasonable clip. Uh, I want to try to do another show later on this afternoon, so we're not going to do questions. We, re we very rarely do questions on these Friday shows, but I do appreciate you guys hanging out in the chat room and chopping it up live. It's pretty cool to have a lot of folks that want to watch the show in real time. It's been a fun... Because we really haven't focused on YouTube but for like a year. So it's kind of cool to see how things have, have picked up a bit there. Uh, let's get the... There it is. There's the Friday slate on your screen. I think I can even make this larger... I know. This is remedial, remedial YouTubing with Dan Vespers. All right, what are we watching for tonight? Toronto, and here's the thing. like We talk about everything that happened over the course of the week, and so now we go through all these teams, and it's like, all right, how do we put some of those topics into, uh, into this sort of process? And you'll know immediately as we get to each team, and that's why we can kind of lightning around this a little bit, because I, I, I do feel like it's a tad repetitive, but... You know, there are a couple of teams that aren't playing the rest of this weekend, so I, I guess there's that element to it. The Lakers, their game tomorrow doesn't count against the uh, the Pacers, and then the Pels and Bucks, who played uh, yesterday and lost, they, uh, they're done for the week, so nothing to do with those teams. And then the other 26, they all play tonight. Toronto, nothing. Charlotte, we talked about, you know, your Mark Williams' health status and then uh, guys like Gordon Hayward, Brandon Miller, and even P.J. Washington are kind of probably... P.J. probably should have been on the watch list. Detroit, what did Monty Williams mean when he said he was going to shorten things up? And then who's filling in for Jalen Duran, who's expected to miss at least two weeks with his latest ankle issue? Orlando, I'm... You know, we probably see Gary Harris start, because I doubt they want to upset the, you know, Cole Anthony zooming off the bench routine. Is Gary Harris worth a replacement play? I doubt it. In Roto, head-to-head, -head, I mean, maybe if he needs, to, like, two threes and a steal. He'll almost definitely get you that. That's not much. Especially here on an overload day. And then Orlando's off for a while. Remember, there's, you know, no actual games Sunday either. We don't have action. We don't have actual fantasy basketball again until next week after tonight. So maybe Jalen Suggs is back. I Honestly, I thought he was much... I thought the injury was worse. It may turn out that he's just out for a little while and they were sort of being coy about it. In any event. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Atlanta's next on the board. Trey Young is the, the question mark for today. A lot of guys get to do more stuff. DeAndre Hunter moves across the cut line when Young is out because he gets more shots and then a bunch of guys that were already doing a bunch of things get to do more bunch of things. Philly, we're watching Kelly Oubre impact on anything else as well. Washington, just, you know, can they be competitive here against Brooklyn? Cam Thomas had a really bad ball game and people freaked out. And, you know, they can because he's also a guy who doesn't have a massive fantasy profile outside of scoring a crap ton of points. So if it gets ugly, it turns ugly quick. And then Dinwiddie as well. They've got some head-to-head -head style streamers on that team. Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal have been head-to-head -head level. Sometimes Roto, but in my opinion, I, I need a, a better guarantee the Knicks, Josh Hart, sort of the only question there. Boston, it sounds like Porzingis is back, so bye-bye, Al Horford. So sad. Don't worry, well, you'll get another shot. Porzingis never stays healthy for a whole year. Minnesota, Nas Reed's heater, I guess. Oh, he should have been somewhere on my board. Nas Reed probably should have been a heater ad. Can I go back retroactively and put Nas Reed in as a heater ad? Will you guys allow that? My bad. I knew I was going to miss somebody. 
It's hard, man. You go through all 30 teams, you're going to miss someone. Grizzlies, meh. Cavs, Evan Mobley is questionable. If he's out, you'll probably see maybe Dean Wade move in, but it'll just be more for Jared Allen and more, probably more rebounds for Max Struess. That's been fun. Miami, we got all the streamers. Golden State, I do want to... That's an interesting one. So I think we'll have a better idea when Golden State announces their starting lineup. If it's the same crap dink one they've been running out there, then, you know, womp womp, we won't get any information. But it would be kind of cool to see Steve Kerr go, you know what, Wiggins? You suck. And Moody, you're going. Moody might be an ad if he gets thrown into the starting five. That's a maybe. Thunder, nothing. Bulls, you know, it's all just about stashing time these days. So not much there. Spurs, not unless they somehow decide Trey Jones finally gets starters minutes. That would be the thing that would move a needle there. Houston, nothing. Denver, nothing. Kings, Keegan Murray, bye. We know that. Malik Monk's minutes. What if he has a cold shooting night? Do his minutes disappear? That's what I really want to know there with Monk. Phoenix is down probably three starters. So Eric Gordon's going to do a bunch of stuff. You might even see Kata Bates Jop do a little bit too. But I wouldn't start him in Roto. Clippers, Norman Powell, are you or aren't you worth my damn time? The Jazzmans. Um, Jordan Clarkson might be back, which probably helps a bunch of other guys, even if he's not really a nine-cat guy himself. But with Markinen still out, if Clarkson does come back, this may be the game where we see him take 18, 19 shots, which you know, that's fun if you got him in points league, I get. Dallas, let's see what Derek Jones Jr. does if uh, two of those other wingies are out. And then Portland, I'm very interested in to see if any of these fringe dudes can get a reliable 30 minutes on the floor. I'm sort of doubting it. But, hey, at least we got Simons back. A little bit of a game changer in a lot of formats. Anthony Simons could very, very well be in the top three three-pointers guys this year. Just trying to think of, like, who's hitting a lot of threes right now. Steph is at 5.1, Luca's at 3.9, Halliburton's at 3.9. These are guys that have actually played some ball games. Simons has hit four a game, but he's only played two. Bogdan's at three and a half, or sorry, Boyan Bogdanovich. Lamelo was at three and a half. Tim Hardaway was at 3.4. Steph is out in his own stratosphere. Uh, but Simons could be one of those, like, four a game kind of dudes. Not going to be good for his field goal percent, but... That is intriguing. I am intrigued by this. Could he be top two or three in three-pointers made this year? I think that's a possibility. Okay. I uh, wanted to try to keep this one to about 45 minutes. I think we're right around that marker. Uh, so let's go ahead and pull the plug on it because I want to save my voice a tad. I had to do... I didn't say had to do. I was fortunate enough that certain schools in and around Los Angeles, Cal Poly Pomona being one of them, USC, LMU, these places give me the awesome opportunity to do play-by-play for them throughout the year so I had uh, two ball games yesterday in addition to the podcast so I did about five hours of broadcasting yesterday and uh my voice is tired and I want to debut a brand new show type here later on today my hope is that if my voice is okay and timing works out because the nanny's sick today uh we'll be able to do the first ever dynasty edition of Fantasy NBA Today, where I don't say a word. I'll be there, and I'll say things like, hmm, interesting, that's very cool. But Mark Camaro, who's our Dynasty lead at Sports Ethos, is going to be on with me 
Uh, he's going to be giving you guys the dynasty ads, the dynasty fades, basically the, the key moves to make here after watching about six and a half weeks of this uh, 2023 campaign. And you got a nice little layoff over the weekend if you want to try to do something about it. Because I know you dynasty nuts, you guys are making moves literally every second of every day. And this is a great time to do it when you don't have to worry about setting lineups after tonight. Uh, so that would be pretty cool if we can get that going later today. Stay tuned. Make sure to subscribe. No matter how you're taking in the show, that'll be a way to make sure that you get to hear that show when it drops. I say when because I'm I'm feeling optimistic. In the meantime, I am at Dan Vespers over on social. I just dropped like two or three threads this morning alone, and I got to do another one. Maybe I'll wait on the next one. My fingers, my voice, they all need a break. Man needs a break. And go check out Sports Ethos. But more than anything... Just come hang in our Discord. Seriously. We drop links to basically all the stuff we got going on. We'll give you the Ethos Fantasy BK Twitter feed. Those two spots. Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter and our Discord. If you come to those joints, I promise you'll be happy you did. You'll get the news you need. You'll get analysis you need. And the Discord is great because there's a free side and a premium side. If you have a fantasy pass or a wager pass or a DFS pass or whatever... You get access to the premium stuff. That's where you can hang out with the analysts, the pros. You get live betting if it's on the, the wagering side. You get live DFS updates and plays. But if you want the free side, that's great too. The NBA channel is really cooking on the free side. Like, I haven't logged in because I had those play-by-play games since, you know, like late afternoon yesterday. And there's like 20, 30 questions that folks are posting. And they put the little, you know, miscellaneous colored dots that you can choose as an emoji and and it, it all gets sort of crowdsourced it's really rad i love it this is the first time i think our discord has been big enough to where that can kind of sustain itself so join it because every single person that comes in and is active makes it better all right that's my psa for hanging out with us here at sports ethos have a great middle of your friday i hope to talk to you guys uh, a little bit long later on this afternoon enjoy the giant card tonight and enjoy your respite over the weekend and Enjoy the first ever NBA Cup Finals. Finals, finals from Vegas. Android LeBron versus rising stud Tyrese Halliburton. Should be fun. All right, we'll talk to you later, everybody. So long. I'm Dan. You knew that.